Um, so today I would like to, obviously because the theme is pressure, um, I'd like to talk about you know, who we are as people, as humans, what makes us special, um, what makes us different from animals, why we're here, what our purpose is, um, and then to, and then talk about the parable of the sower um, that Jesus gave this parable and what that means to us uh, and what and, and the pressure that we feel perhaps because of the knowledge that we have and our response to in, in terms of that parable and then after that um, I want to just talk about what the antidote to pressure is um, and you know what 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 God has given us in a way to take away that that feeling of, as we've been reading, that feeling of kind of inadequacy, of, of not being worth it, of not being able to meet, to rise to the challenge. So what the antidote to that is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in all of creation, humans are different because we not only have just the most incredible bodies, you know, we have the structures, we have hands, we have, you know, so much that animals don't have that allow us to express our intentions, to allow us to achieve and do things that animals don't have. You know, we're some of the most incredible, we, you know, we, we can live in the most versatile ways. You know, we can, we're at home under the ocean, we're at home in the trees, we're at home on the top of a mountain, you know, we are capable of a wide range of activities. Um, but even though, you know, we can think of all the things we can do, we can, we can always look around in creation and see animals which have a greater ability than us. Um, and I think they're there as lessons for us, actually. Um, you know, we are, although we're kind of generalists, there's always something that's better than us. And that's always stands out as an example of something, you know, dogs are loyal. Um, and there's so many, you can think of many things, so many things about an, qualities about animals that kind of bring us back. But what really makes us special is this, is our brain you know we're not we don't have the biggest brains we don't have the um you know the perhaps the most refined abilities we don't have echolocation and things like that but what we do have is the ability to abstract to think in terms of um you know symbols we have the ability to you know i never saw an orca create a symphony you know animals just don't have this incredible um musical and artistic mathematical um ability that we have there's just virtually you know we're as different from the animals as chalk and cheese you know we kind of got often get told we're just a little bit more evolved than apes and this extra quality of language say that we have is just a little bit more than apes but when you think about it you know we are capable of poetry um you know more books are written every day than ever have been. More thought, thoughts have been written. We, we're so driven by communication that we've managed to, we've managed to collapse the whole of the world with the internet into this way in which we can kind of swap thoughts with each other without even the necessity to even speak to someone. You know, we are, we are incredibly gifted when it term, in terms of communication. We're not just a little bit better than our nearest relative. And the same goes with, with music. You know, there's all different varieties and types of music. What about humour? Um, what's that? Is it necessary? And yet there it is, created by God. And we have, 
virtually a limitless capacity to imagine parts of the universe we'll never go to. So this brain that we have, this kind of incredible electrical thing, which is, you know, just a sort of ball of light that we just can't see that's trapped. I don't know if you know, but the brain is basically fat and it's running on sugar. And this blob of fat that's running on sugar is capable of supporting this incredible, complex, ever-changing, never undefinable kind of ball of electricity that is our consciousness. And, and that's what makes us special. But more than that, we are spiritual beings. We have another dimension to us, which isn't to do with um, animalistic uh, intentions like food and sex, but we've got another dimension to us completely, um, which is that we are able to conceive of things like beauty, um, love, you know, joy, gentleness, kindness, um, things which are ineffable, things which just seem to come from somewhere else, beautiful things that have no real concrete, um, you know, analogues. They're just, they're just things which are, which take us beyond. And we all know how that feels to have these thoughts, have these feelings, which are beyond us. They come from somewhere else. And we, you know, often in the most difficult circumstances. So we're, we're spiritual beings. And I think this is a gift from the creator. We are, we link with him in, in the way that animals can't. We reflect him back. We, we are a part of him. We're created in his image and we have the abilities which nothing else has. And this is because he's created us for a purpose. You know, we're not just a kind of additional animal, but we actually have a special purpose because of the abilities we've been given. Just as we would look at any animal on the surface of the earth and say how beautifully adapted they are to their environment, and we know exactly what their purpose is and their place in the food chain, we also should look at our abilities and say that they are there for a purpose, that we were created for a reason. And you can see what that reason is by just looking at what we're capable of. And it's as simple as that. So the fact that we're spiritual means that we're capable of relating to God. Um, it never ceases to amaze me when I'm watching sci-fi that, you know, we we imagine other worlds and other planets and other aliens, and then we imagine that they that the aliens have two arms and two legs, just like us. And then if the sci-fi wants to move on the kind of evolution, they imagine essentially an angel, which is like a, a, a human figure with two arms and two legs that's glowing with light. And finally, the kind of epitome of everything that's amazing is some disembodied consciousness that kind of is all knowing and can control everything and you know humans even non-believing humans seem to be unable to imagine anything other than us except angels and god um you know and that just seems it seems so obvious to me as a christian that that that's what's going on so given that we have these abilities that are special to us and seem to provoke they seem to imply a purpose. They seem to imply that we're here for a reason. You know, what is our response to to this? Um, how do we, you know, just looking at the parable of the sower, you know, we've got this, Jesus says that a man goes to sow, and as he's sowing seed in the in the field, some of it, you know, I'm just going to read the parable, some of it lands on, on the path, um, and it's immediately just sort of um, eaten up by birds. Um, some of it lands on on stony ground, and uh, as the as the 
plants grow, they get scorched because the the ground is shallow. Some of it lands on ground with weeds, and the weeds grow up and choke the plants. Um, and some of it lands on good ground. And you know, I just want to talk a bit about that. You know, obviously, as humans in the world, the whole collection of humans in the world, there are some who are very hard-hearted, very proud, very resilient to any any new material, any new um, ideas, and they simply don't accept the word of God. They won't accept we're here for a purpose. They think we're just made of stuff, of atoms, and you know they they look around and they'll find excuses as to why they don't want to believe in God, and you know that that's the type of ground which is hard-hearted. It's compacted, you know. It's perfectly usable, but it's just that it's been trodden down, and and the seed is just blown away or taken away by birds and we've got the the second you know example of the stony ground um you know and i'd like to suggest that when jesus talks about this rocky ground what he's referring to is um you know we know that stones are dead things they they perhaps come from the lifeless depths of the earth and they cool down and become rocks and stones or perhaps they're you know, millions of years of dead organisms compacted down, but they're essentially dead things that get in the way of of something. Um, you know, and, and this is in our lives we have we have these challenges of of things which have happened to us, circumstances which kind of kill off our heart a little bit, um, and it makes us less receptive and it's to the word of God. And it's a little bit like Heart attacks, I don't know if you know, but in when your heart is beating, it's a muscle and parts of it die as you're, you know, and although it's being regenerated, as we heard yesterday, there are little areas of the heart which are dead and they don't any longer perform the function. They're not muscles anymore. They're just kind of material, just flesh. And that builds up. And over time, um, you actually, if you have a, a few heart attacks, each time it's dying a little bit, you have one big one. And, you know, for me, when I look at the ground, which Jesus likens to the heart being receptive to the word of God, I look at these stones and I think they're little sort of dead areas, which, um, you know, we have to we have to sort of identify and remove to, to make room for the word. And then looking at the looking at the the kind of weeds example, you know, these these weeds are they're living plants. They're 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 active and they're quite often pretty virulent. But they weren't sown by the sower. They were there already. They, they're the thoughts and feelings that your parents put in your heart, that your friends put there. They're things which you, don't, you didn't put there yourself. Uh, perhaps you don't even know that they're lying there. Perhaps they were, when you were at school, the stereotypes that you acquire when you're young. They're ideas which are in competition with the truth, um, in competition with the simple truth. And... You know, that to me is a, a powerful thing because we we're not in control of of that process. We that's, they're already in us, and we have to identify those thoughts and feelings that are going on in us, and we have to sort of do something about it. Otherwise, the otherwise the the truth won't be productive in us. And then finally, we have the good ground, which of course we understand is ground which has been broken up that's been ploughed, that's been, there are holes and gaps in it. And I remember when Jesus said, you know, blessed are the brokenhearted and, and lowly in spirit. And I got the impression from that, that, that the, this ground is humble ground. It's, it's been, it's been crumbled to some extent. It's been made receptive. 
it's not proud it's open-hearted it's open-minded and the seed can go in there and take root but um so just though with those thoughts in mind you know it could seem like we've got a lot of hard work ahead of us because we've got to identify all the stones and take them away which is a laborious process you know and then we've got to get rid of all the weeds and you know this is not fun but looked at a slightly different way as we were thinking yesterday there's opportunity in stress and there's opportunity in in what we're looking at now those stones in africa would be taken away and used to build a house um the kinds of sins that you've committed and the experiences you've been through in life that little those little dead areas which you previously thought had no use are actually opportunities for <coughs> compassion to other people you understand what other someone else is going through because you did the same thing yourself or you experienced the same thing yourself and so now instead of just removing dead material this becomes an opportunity to build that you didn't see before it's not something that is just hard work it's an it's an opportunity for connection with other people and for sharing um, and creating a space for hospitality. And as far as the weeds go, um, you know, you could just, weeding is not fun. And, you know, again, it, it seems to require hard work. But I think we should look for opportunities in that. Um, so just thinking a little bit about perhaps where we go from there how the the sort of feeling that the hard work is ahead of us that we are not perhaps capable and i i can only speak for myself but i often feel i'm not capable of being the christian that i've been called to be i make i i commit sins and i make errors and i feel and i know myself very very well and some of you might be thinking no he's okay but i can only tell you that i know myself and i know my faults as we all do and I, gen generally speaking, most days I find it a challenge to believe that I can continue to live as a Christian, given the knowledge about myself that I have. So I just want to talk and move on to the antidote to the pressure that we may be feeling, given that we know how sinful we are, given that we know that we're, we're not right. Um, and, you know, I, I know in the readings we touched on those wonderful verses, which I'll come back to later, but just want you to think about what really what attributes of god what biggest what's the biggest attribute of god that we share you know i touched on how we're special but what's the biggest attribute and i would say that's creativity you know creativity the ability to visualize something in your head that doesn't exist to then motivate yourself to do that to have passion in your heart to get something done that's never been done you know like mozart said Passion is everything. You know, enthusiasm, the Greek, it means entheos, God within you. You know, this is, this is something that's kind of almost something that we can't understand. I'm just going to talk a little bit about sort of human creativity and link it back around to how that is the antidote to the pressure we feel. Because um, there's a poet in, in America, an elderly poet, who believes that, and this came from a TED talk, she when a poem comes to her she feels it coming in herself she she can hear it coming and she feels it coming across the landscape she says from somewhere she doesn't know and her response to that is that she has to run just to run back to the house and get a pencil because when it comes to her if she misses it 
it's gone and it travels across the landscape through her across the landscape to find another poet and she just has nothing left so she has to run back to the house with a, and get a pencil and wait for the poem to arrive and then write it down and and it comes all at once complete and that's how her creative mind works um, and sometimes she's not able to reach that point in time where she's got the pencil um, she might just have picked it up with one hand and she's and the poem barrels through her and she grabs it the tail of it and pulls it back and she at that point when she's pulling this poem back she begins to write the poem and it comes out complete and intact but from the last word to the first word and she has always had this um, kind of relationship with poetry which she sees this inspiration this kind of enthusiasm this passion as this gift is coming from somewhere else coming to her and if she's not ready it just goes through her um, and is lost but if she's ready then it will she can capture it and write it down on paper and she doesn't think that it's from her and we've got examples of pianists famous concert pianists who believe that they're inhabited they actually believe they're inhabited by people because they can't explain they they have out-of-body experiences while they're playing and their fingers just move by themselves and it's and it's not as if they're playing and they feel as if somebody else who's very good at playing the piano is playing the piano for them and these two examples i think are for me examples of of the beauty and the complexity of the human mind and also of this kind of we call it inspiration, don't we? This kind of moment where you have a feeling or a thought or a solution or an idea that you can't explain the origin of. It's just something that comes from somewhere else. And at that moment, you feel you're surprised by it and you can't explain it. And it's that spark, that kind of, it's crazy. It's almost paranormal. And people in the world describe it as in these terms. In these, and the Greeks and the Romans used to believe that if you, you had a demon, you actually had a demon inside you. It was a spirit that caused you to be a great painter or caused you to be a great artist or a great philosopher. Socrates believed he had a demon who used to give him all the wisdom. Um, and the Romans later believed in, in something that would live in the walls of your studio or would live in the walls of your apartment as you wrote um, literature, which was called, they called a genius. Um, like a genie but like a, the genius wasn't you it was something that you had it was something that was nearby that used to live with you and inspire you and help you do the work that you were there to do the passion that you had um, was what you chose to get down to each day so if you were an artist you had passion for art you would go and paint some days it would be good and some days not so good you know and you you always had a get out clause because it wasn't just you you know, the language of today is that you are a genius, but the language of yesterday was that you had a genius, that there was something that was alongside you that provided the inspiration and the talent to get to achieve in you something that you couldn't achieve yourself. And even today, people experience moments of creativity like that from somewhere else. And so that's what I'd like to suggest today is the antidote to pressure, the pressure that we feel when we are when we have a knowledge of, of ourselves, which is not, we're not good enough, we're too sinful, we're not in the right place, we can't be accepted, we can't change enough to be the person God wants us to be. That's, that's pressure. 
and it causes us to stop and you get writer's block essentially and you can't carry on because it's about you not being able to produce but if you think about it in terms of spiritual spiritually that god is there providing you with the energy providing you with the the with the inspiration the enthusiasm god within you to achieve using you what he wishes to achieve then you can separate yourself from the failure of that you might feel and the pressure you might feel when you when you don't feel good enough and i i did look at the verses i just want to read out a couple of the verses that we've actually all spoken about you know we here we just read that Hezekiah prayed for the people which the Bible says had not purified themselves and they ate the Passover contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them. May the Lord who is good pardon everyone who sets their heart on seeking God. And the Bible says, if you want to come to know me, you must believe I am and then search for me and I will reward you. And in Daniel, it says, how can I, your servant, talk with you? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Again, Daniel had no ability in himself even to even to talk with this person. And it was the man who the man who the one who looked like a man that gave him the strength to carry on. And in Acts, we have the same thought. Um, You know, God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean, even ourselves. So although we're aware of the faults that we have, we should exercise the same compassion to ourselves, the self-compassion that we would exercise to our friends. We would never dream of following around a friend and constantly criticising them for the things which we know they're not good at or the things that they've done wrong. And we should not do that to ourselves because we're not able to be good enough. That's not the point. And we shouldn't be comparing ourselves with some standard except perhaps Jesus, but we shouldn't be comparing ourselves in a way that denigrates ourselves because we need to recognise it's not just us that's going to make the difference. Um, You know, as Anna mentioned earlier, Peter was convinced when he saw the Holy Spirit fall on these people that weren't even baptised and they weren't even Jews. You know, that's the ability of God to come to you. So my kind of... My message to you today is that the one thing that connects us with God is creativity. And it's also the one thing that comes from somewhere else. It comes from God. What we have to do is show up. Like that poet, we have to show up at the writing table. That's all we have to do. Like the people in the Old Testament there that we saw, they showed up because their heart was right. And if you think back to the parable of the sower, that's what was going on there. The seed that was sown, the word of God, the seed, the message of the gospel that was sown by that man, Jesus, that seed had DNA in it. That DNA, if you were the same DNA that Jesus was, was given by God, you know, because Mary was a, a virgin and God had to provide some DNA. That DNA in that seed had everything in it for the existence of, of that plant, of that corn. You know, we don't, That's a gift to us. It's not something that we work hard at being. It's a complete gift. It comes, it's the gift of life in us that grows in us. And if you remember the parable, the the hearts that had weeds in, that gift still grew. The um, the stony ground, that, that gift still grew. Even though you might have 
things in your in your heart that that are that are essentially dead or stony, even though you have weeds in your mind that you can't get rid of, that gift still grows. And if you're good ground, that gift grows. It's almost impossible. You can't. We all in this room have that gift. We're all here because our hearts say we should be here. This is not compulsory. So we're exactly like those people in the first in the in the New Test in the Old Testament there, and we're exactly like the ground in in the parable. And that gift that God has given us freely is growing inside us. And so rather than think about the fact that we now need to get kind of do some gardening, and by the way, gardening is always best if you do it together, we should think about what God is going to do to that good ground. Let's just concentrate on that part. God provides the, the water of his word to keep the ground moist. He provides the nutrients, provides the, the companionship that we need to help us on the journey provides the sunlight that will then um, help that plant to grow. He provided the seed in the first place and uh, he provides the air which that plant needs for its growth. That plant and, and the ground is almost just there to be a medium. It's there to be something that God works through. And so that's my message to us today. Don't think of yourself as having a huge amount of work to do to be right with God. Don't think that you're not already capable of approaching him and being accepted by him and being seen as pure, even though you're not. Think instead of just being, of showing up for God, whatever that might mean, showing up in prayer, maybe. Show up for him and be ready for, to allow him to work in you. Because it's him that provides that creative energy that, that means that in the end, the fruit of that corn that Jesus talked about, the hundred times, the 60 times and the 30 times, that all comes from somewhere that's outside of you. So just show up for God. And this is the antidote to the pressure that you might feel that's holding you back from, from committing. That's my message.